Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. It's the podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. And we have covered a a gargantuan amount of of series. At this point, we've good, bad, bad, even a little ugly. Sometimes, even ugly. Yeah, we have talked about Black Adam. So, um, no, that's bad. Ugly is Freddy, and ugly doesn't mean bad. Ah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And sometimes bad is good. That's why I say Freddy. <laughs> no, I just said bad. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sometimes bad yeah, yeah, is yeah. good. Yeah. You know, like uh, like Shrek. Oh yeah. He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we are talking about the Sergio Leone Dollars Trilogy, the Blood Money Trilogy, the Man With No Name Trilogy, and we're finishing it up today. What do you think about that, Jack? We're pretty sweet. Uh, my name's Micah McCaw. My name's Jordan McCaw. And guess what we did five years ago? Got married, folks. And now we have this podcast. But um, this has been fun. Good way to kick off the year. We don't often get to talk about Westerns. No. So it's been fun to go through the series. Also fun that it's only three. Yes. But I guess that's that's what I want to say is after this, you may have uh, you may be a follower of mine on um, that that website called Instagram.com. And maybe you didn't even catch the results. But the next series we're covering is X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will be breaking it up. At Thank l- you. Thank you so much for picking X-Men. <laughs> Can't wait to really sink my Wolverine claws into this ah, one. Very good. I can't wait to transport myself into big bamps of... Uh, you pick the cooler character, of course. Yeah, Nightcrawler's... Yeah, I, well, 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 we'll get Wolverine's into- pretty cool. Nightcrawler was always my favorite. I like Night... I think, I, I think Nightcrawler's probably my favorite X-Men. But we're not here to talk about X Men. No, uh, but but just a little taste. We'll be we'll be covering X Men, and and for those of you who like to watch along, that doesn't just mean X Men one through three. It doesn't just mean Wolverine Origins, and it doesn't just mean Deadpool. It means all yes, Jordan, thirteen X Men movies, and their <laughs> perspective franchises within it. But we will take a break about halfway. What did I say? Perspective. Oh, I thought I said respective, oh. but. Um, we will take a break halfway, but dang, only halfway. I know there's only really one natural breaking point. Yeah, which is to go. No, I don't want to talk about. Okay, it. okay, okay. Let's so, get into this movie. Yeah, so here we are, and we're in the year of nineteen sixty-six. It's December twenty-third, a day after my future birthday. And you're you sitting in the theater. You are but a twinkle in God's eye. <laughs> and uh, the good and the bad and the ugly plays. And it's a movie that I, I saw that there was, critically, it was it was not met super well when it first came out, which shocks me. <sighs> wow, that is shocking. But since then, it's often cited as the best Western, I would yeah. say. Um, and I ha- I so I saw this movie when I was a kid. Loved it. I think I saw it once or twice more when I was a kid. Loved it. And then one time, uh, maybe when I was in high school or after high school, I turned on the movie 
to watch. And I was like, what's wrong with our DVD? Like the sound is so off. And then I looked it up and saw that it was dubbed. And I think I was like, I can't handle that right now. (laughs) Um, and then, um, I, we watched it again the, the other day and I, I, I know the movie's great. Like, obviously the movie's great. It, this is, this is a classic case of like, you know, you watch The Godfather and you're like, everybody says it's great. And then you watch it and you're like, yeah, it's great. Like, that's the great, that's the take. Godfather's a great movie. Watching this, it's like better than I remembered it being. I'm by just a healthy it right margin. Now, Micah, this is a real controversial opinion I'm yeah. about to throw out there. Yeah. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I, I went on uh, Letterboxd. And, and when I first got the app, before I quit doing the star ratings, unless it was a five star, I looked at my rating of this and I had given it four stars, to which oh, I promptly changed that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I even in Probably, my- Probably, which means you still have it? No, I said I promptly changed oh, promptly. that. promptly. Okay. Yes. Because, uh, yeah, this movie's perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, as good as it gets. Yeah. And- Starring Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. <laughs> Nancy You're Meyer firing movie. on all cylinders today. <laughs> is that a Nancy Meyer movie? Um, I think it is. Okay. But I'm not sure. I might be wrong. <clears throat> but yeah, this movie slaps. Yeah, it's so good, man. And if you've been following along the last two weeks, we've been talking about some great movies. Mm-hmm. But this one is like all those things, but heightened and better. And and to me, this doesn't have the lull that the other two have. And this movie's three hours. It's three hours long. And no, it doesn't. It clips along. It doesn't really feel like so three hours. So I will say this. Okay, so just like the other two, I've seen this movie kind of, you know, throughout my life, but never really sat down, clicked play, and watched it all. Yeah. So technically, I'm going to say this is my first time, like the other two. Okay. You know, truly. Um, always knew that um, Lee Van Cleef, that's his name? Yeah. Uh, was the bad guy. Uh-huh. And I was wrong in the second movie. Right, me too. Um, but I knew he was a bad guy at some point. Obviously, it was going to be his third movie. He still wasn't as bad as I thought he was. He wasn't as uh, villainous. I mean, he was pretty bad. But he wasn't as villainous as I re- thought he was going to be. Well, Wait, wait. Let me just oh, say. Yeah, go ahead. I think because I d- actually didn't really know what this movie was about at all before we got jumped in. That I, I think my expectation was kind of a classic, like... Clint Eastwood is some, you know, classic anti-hero, which he is, uh-huh. whatever he's doing, and this man is chasing him. Yeah. To no. either bring him to some, like, twisted justice or for his own personal vendetta. That's yeah. what I thought his character was. No, instead, it's an anti-war movie that's also talking about uh, how you can profiteer off of war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I... L- I think because as you get older, you just see this stuff a lot more. And this is something we talked a lot about last week. Um, but, like, the, I, I agree with you. In When I saw this as a kid, I th- or at least my memory serves that it's like, yeah, there's the good guy, there's the bad guy, and then the ugly guy is, like, kind of a bad guy, but he's kind of a good guy. And watching it now, I'm like, they're all bad bad mm-hmm. like 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 on a moral level or like if we're going justice code like they're all going to prison for the rest of their lives i know it's almost like you know because i 
we've talked about this in this series where the anti-hero is seems to be really popular these days, especially because of our shows like Breaking Bad and yeah. House of Cards and so on and so forth. That it almost like like when Breaking Bad happened, at least for me, it was like I've never seen a show like this, which is true. Yeah. Um, but it was also like I've never seen a character like this before, which in a way is true. Yeah. But in a way it's not. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just one of those things where the more shows and movies you watch the more you actually discover how much has already been done like it's all been done oh definitely yeah. but that doesn't make doesn't make breaking bad lame or a ripoff or less valid or less valid or like i even think of succession uh-huh. you know that that's like one of the best shows on tv yeah. and you hate everybody in right. that show because they're all so despicable but that's nothing new right but it is so fresh yeah it's it's almost like storytelling is is well i mean there's there's the adage that you know there's only like what is it like seven different yeah. types of stories or yeah. something like that and so really all it has to do with is just context so it's just how you tell the story and then the context and like the time and place that you tell it yeah yeah i think like cuz i think at least for me as a young adult uh, younger than I am now, because uh-huh. I still want to think of myself as young. Hey, adult. you're not thirty yet, so okay. you're not you're a young adult. But um, years ago, it, I would just think like how lame that is when I make I these discoveries, and it's like, it, I I think even people who want to be artists and want to be a writer or whatever type of art they want to do, um, I I think everyone has to go through a period of I have to make something that's never been done before. Yeah. And that there isn't a definitely an air of pretentiousness that you even think that you can yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, and then through a life of discouragement and disenchantment, you find out that you can't do anything new. Well, <laughs> but but that's yeah. not the point. Like you, that's, right. it's not the point to do something new. It's just to do something great. Yeah, that's not even the point either. Yeah. It's to do something as best as you can and yeah. excellently. But but I think yeah, true. like like, yes, I, I used to think like that, too, where it's like, I'm going to write the song that's never been written yeah. or whatever. But even when we're in the studio recording or I'm at home recording, I'm thinking to myself when I'm writing a piano riff or something, there's usually like a band or an artist or like a sound that I hear. And I'm like, oh, this is so Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so Switchfoot. Oh, the, or someone tells me that they listen to the mm-hmm. song and they go, oh, my gosh, this sounds like this band which is kind of annoying when people tell you what you sound like. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, it, de- it depends on the context. Okay. Um, it, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's not annoying for people to tell you that. It's annoying at shows when they've never heard your music before. Oh, yeah, okay. And then they come up to you and they try to convince you that you like the same band, that they like it, and it's a band you've never heard oh, of. Oh, okay. That's kind of, it's yeah. a very specific thing I'm talking no, no, about, yeah. but yeah. it'll happen where someone's like, like, I don't know. No, I get what you're saying. Well, I was trying to explain oh, it a okay. little better for the audience, potentially. But yeah, they might just be like, oh my gosh, you sound just like Dave Matthews. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "I," or, or I'm thinking, I've listened to Dave Matthews. I sort of know Dave Matthews' music. I actually don't sound like Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just no way. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not accurate. Yeah. But, um, but I'll, you know what? Well, according to someone, you sound like Bob Dylan. Which I is guess about so. the weirdest that's, thing I've that's ever That's very heard. strange. But at the same time, 
I guess maybe I'll just cut all this out because it sounds like I'm complaining. I don't mind if people say these things to me. You don't annoy me if you if you tell me what I sound like. So keep keep it coming because I usually take it in a flatter, flattery sense because I'm like, hey, if you like Bob Dylan and you like me and you <laughs> think I sound like him, then sure, that's yeah. great. Um, but what what are we talking about? We're just talking about how, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think knowing that like stories replicate stories and and what's what's unique about them is is someone just putting themselves into the story mm-hmm. you know because only you can tell a story the way you can tell it mm-hmm. even if it is like someone else or another story and so you look at the westerns we have or the anti-heroes we have and then you watch this movie and you're like wow everybody's ripping off sergio leone but then it's like the first movie in this trilogy is literally a ripoff of a Akira Kurosawa movie. Yeah, yeah. And then we could probably go, what, maybe that's based on a book. Yeah. And then maybe that's, you know, and it's like... Shakespeare didn't even write Romeo and Juliet first. Yeah, it's like everybody just puts their own spin on stuff. Yeah. And and that's what you should take pride in, is that only yeah. you can tell it the way that it's it not, can be I told. Mean, that's like the... Um, what if there's a phrase for it that... I remember when I told you when I was in college, you were like, I hate that phrase. Oh, sure. But it was like... My pretentious era, yes. Yeah, but like, what was... Because it was something about... Um, it, we were in my Oh, class, I know this we were, phrase. We were I go- actually still hate this phrase. Okay, but, but it was, we were talking about adaptations. Oh, I was singing a class about adaptations. And um, we really focused on Shakespeare, on Romeo and Juliet. And yeah. And all the iterations of it. And why is Shakespeare's the one that we all remember and love? Yeah. And what is the phrase? Yeah, it's um, like, artists create and geniuses steal... I don't know if that's exactly it. I don't think it's artists create. It might even be like arti- artists replicate geniuses steal or something. Yeah, something, something like, like that. Something like that, but I think I, it's true. Well, I, I yeah, I just don't like how it's phrased yeah. because... Well, it, it implies that, you know, Shakespeare, which we don't know. Apparently, he didn't write anything, <laughs> um, but that he... It was John F. Kennedy Jr. who wrote them, <laughs> who's still alive but, today. But it, 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 it puts a feeling, I think, in someone's mouth, like maybe in your mouth, of like, he consciously and maliciously stole the story, and it's yeah. telling everyone that he wrote it first. But I don't think that's what the phrase is saying. Yeah. But I, I do get, like, the wording not being great. Yeah, because it's... I mean, I think a, a more rounded way is like, at no, at, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. But you can make, you can create your own stuff, but it'll, it'll be based on a million things that create your one thing that hopefully will that's inspire what other makes people. makes it unique. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't like that, that phrasing. And it also implies, it, it, it makes me as someone who likes stuff feel stupid. Cause it's okay. like, oh, I like Quentin Tarantino. I think he's a genius. Oh, but he stole from everybody. So I'm stupid for liking that. So I think that's another reason why I don't like it, where it's like a lot of these people consciously, like a lot of the directors I follow, if you follow them on Twitter or whatever, they'll tell you, or or even if you read about it, like, like Christopher Nolan for Interstellar, you can read about how before they filmed, they sat down and they screened with the whole cast and crew like, I don't know, three or four different movies where it's like, this is a lot of the vibe we're going for. It's like, that's open-ended. He's not trying to hide Mm -hmm. that that he's taking inspiration. I think they do. And so I, I I think that's a good thing. Oh yeah. I think so too. So I think so too. Now here's the important question. I'm going to go out on a limb and say something huge. 
I think this movie, the title, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, is the best title of a movie ever made. (laughs) Okay, I've never thought about what's the best one. I was just thinking about it the other day before we even watched it, and I was like, I don't think there's anything that comes close to that title. It is just, you hear that title and you're like, I want to see that. What is that story about? Yeah. And then especially the way the movie, the first like half hour incorporates the titles within it. And Quentin Tarantino, of course, was like, I'm going to use that every time I ever make a a movie. When he saw this the first time. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, that's, that's cinema, baby. That is storytelling, baby. And that is the best title I think ever to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I have nothing to counter that with. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, 2001: A Space Odyssey is a cool title too, and yeah. there will be blood. Those are just a couple that come yeah. to mind. But they're not even close to the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's yeah. so classic. Yeah. Like here. Okay. Here's another thing. Now, of course, this movie was beloved. If this movie had a different title, is there a possibility that it comes out? It critically doesn't do that well. Uh, still makes money. People still like it, but does it ever get revisited and go into the pantheon of the best films ever? Because the it title, doesn't like that's have... how much the title does for the movie. Well, I think the movie stands alone, but I think the title is that good that if you sit there and you're like, I want to rewatch some movies, you're like, well, let's watch that one. That's the best title I've ever seen. Hmm. Is is it possible? Uh, sure. Yeah, I guess all the titles have been great for this series. Oh, I know. The only the only issue is it's uh it, it's confusing for the first two titles. Okay. Like I was talking with my dad today, and I'm like, you know, he, he was trying to dis- he was he was describing the plot of a fistful of dollars when we were talking about for a few dollars more. Oh, okay. And someone else did that at church group too. Yeah. So, um, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my big thing. This is the greatest movie title of all time. <laughs> okay. Um, so Sergio Leone directed this as well. The screenplay is by this, uh, a few people. So there's this duo named Age and Scarpelli, and their stage name, uh, they're the stage name of, um, wow, it totally auto-corrected everything, and I can't figure out what these names were supposed to be. But that's a stage name of the these writers? two comedy writers. Yeah. Okay. I'll try um, and look it up. Okay. And then the screenplay is also by Luciano Vincenzoni. And he recommended those two guys. Um, You got it? Hey, wait. Luciano is what you said. Oh, Luciano. Yeah. So is it uh, Aginore? Aginore? Yes. And Furio. Scarpelli. Yeah. Yeah. Aginore and Croaky or Encroachy. That doesn't sound right. And then the other guy. Okay. Um, so Lu- Luciano recommended those two guys. Hey. Um, but then he has this quote, Leon or no, no. Uh, Sergio Leone said this later. He said, I couldn't use anything they wrote. They wrote one line in the final script. What? Wow. That's what he said. Um, and then apparently Luciano uh, wrote the screenplay in 11 days and left uh, because his relationship with Sergio was not going so hot. But then in the same 
like information about this movie, it talks about how he suggests before the, like right before they start shooting the title of the movie. So Luciano. Yeah. So it's like, that sounds like you were around then. Maybe I don't they, know. Maybe they worked it out. Maybe. Storio's by, story is by. <laughs> Storio. <laughs> Storio. Uh, the story is by Luciano and Sergio. And then the cinematography is Tonino Deli Coli, who did Life is Beautiful. Wow. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America, amongst others. Uh, music is again by Ennio Maricone. Yes, it is. Wow. On the score. Yeah. This is also, I think if you're going pure icon, this might have to be in your top 10 movie scores all Absolutely. time. Maybe five. This it, is what everyone thinks of when someone is talking about a Western. Yeah. Is this, this is a Western, Western music. It, it's, it is wild how good the score is. Now, I didn't track this. I wish I knew this before because then I would have listened for it, but there is an instrument for each character. That, Whoa, cool. That, it, that does their theme. So for Blondie, who is the man with no name, you have the flute. Okay. For Tuco. Huh? What's that? A flute? <laughs> oh, man, you keep getting me on those jokes. Uh, for Tuco, you have human voices. Yeah. And then for Angel Eyes, or the bad, you have an ocarina. Oh, cool. So that might have been the instrument that we were like, what is that instrument? When we were listening, watching the movie. And you asked me. Um, yeah, I guess so. Probably. Um, Ennio started working on themes before they started filming. And Leon would sometimes play the music while they were filming to get the Whoa. movement of the camera and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, and then that hymn, like that that hymnal song that the soldiers are singing in the prison camp, that was written for the movie by Ennio. Wow. I, man, that was one of the most powerful scenes. I know. And I, I thought for sure that was just like an old Southern, or I guess, yeah, well, yeah Southern yeah, hymn. Like a, yeah, right. It's not. He he created that song. Wow. Um, The budget of this movie is $1.2 million. Uh, it does $25 million. Hit. Yeah. Um, And then, here we go. They thought of casting Gian Maria uh, Valente who is uh, the bad guy in the previous two mm -hmm. movies. As what? Um, as ugly. Oh, okay. Now, oh, ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Which I just I, don't think bad would be good. I think in the past two episodes, I've mentioned like, oh yeah, he's ugly. Yep. But because he I hadn't watched it in a long time. Yeah. And he's not ugly. Um, in fact, he's good looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they wanted someone with more natural comedy. So they gave it to Eli Wallach based on his role in How the West Was Won. Hmm. Does um, he have a New York accent in that movie too? <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leon, so I'm reading this all the way through, just ripping it right from the page. Uh, uh, genius is steel. Uh, <laughs> Leon built upon the screenwriter's original concept to show the absurdity of war the Civil War, which was the which the characters encountered. In my frame of reference, it is useless, stupid. It does not involve a good cause. In avid history buff, Leon said, I had read somewhere that 120,000 people died in southern camps such as Andersonville. I was not ignorant of the fact that there were camps in the north. You always get to hear about the shameful behavior of the losers, never the winners. The Batterville, the Batterville camp where Blondie and Tuco are imprisoned was based on steel engravings of Andersonville. 
many shots in the film were influenced by archival photographs taken by Matthew Brody and Matthew Brady, excuse me, and Alexander Gardner. He one of his goals was to show how the winners weren't they were like sore winners, kind of like how the winners weren't because, you know, the union, the how the winners like weren't so like holier than thou righteous just because they won. And now we still have the U.S. the way it is. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then uh, as the film took place during the film, it served as a... Pre- as the film took place during the film. Dr- oh, during the Civil War, it served as a prequel for the other two films in the tri- trilogy, which took place after the war. Which I didn't oh, track. I don't think I caught that. Yeah, I didn't realize the others were after the war. Um, the bridge scene was filmed twice because on the first occasion, an Italian camera operator signaled that he was ready to shoot, which was misconstrued by an army captain as the similar-sounding Spanish word meaning start, and they <gasps> blew up the bridge and uh, also... They had to build the bridge again. ...destroyed three cameras. <laughs> um, that while, explosion did not seem safe. Oh, no. It looked like it hit, it, uh, well, almost hit Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. And yeah. it was a loud thump. The rock yeah. that hit the sandbag. And I guess that would definitely be overdubbed because they didn't capture sound. Oh. But but they it is looked, that because the cameras at that time were incapable? Uh we're gonna talk about that. Oh, in a okay. Second. Because if they still captured some kind of sound. Well, so uh Leon liked to play Morricone's mu- music, so that's one reason why he didn't capture sound. Yeah. Uh he cared for visuals more than dialogue. Uh the technical limitations of the time, recording the sound cleanly would have been insanely difficult for the wide shots that Leon oh, yeah, uses. I, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it was standard practice in Italian films to shoot silent and post dub. So, okay, so it's shot silent. Yeah, they're not they're not capturing sound on set at all. Okay. Well it still seems scary. Yeah. Well <laughs> it seemed like it yeah, I don't think that bounced the well, actually we're gonna read about how unsafe this oh, the okay. set was. Then let's not let's not scrutinize the rock that hit the sandbag. <laughs> So Wallach was almost poisoned during this movie. How? Because he started drinking from a bottle of acid (gasps) that a technician had set next to his soda. Why does the technician have a bottle of acid? (laughs) Well, I'm sure it's for something they're working on, you know. Uh, (laughs) And he sets it next to his soda. He grabs it, takes a swig. Um, He's okay, though. He's a hole in his throat. (laughs) Um, But apparently, Leon was very lacks about ensuring the safety of actors in one instance uh when wallach was being hanged after a pistol was fired no the horse underneath him was supposed to bolt and it takes off and the and the horse was so scared that it just kept running and his hands are tied behind his back so he's just on this horse running and it galloped for about a mile (gasps) oh That's so scary. And then the train. Is he just screaming? <laughs> I bet. And then the train sequence where, you know, his head is like by the tracks. Think about how unsafe that is. Yeah. Yeah. So they did it. I mean, we know it they is- did it because we saw it. But yeah. I- but if if Wallach would have lifted his head, he would have been decapitated. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I hope he was well compensated. <laughs> I doubt it. This yeah, is the 60s, man. Um. But yeah, so Eastwood got tired of working with Leon by the time by the time this movie ended. Yeah, because uh, I guess also Sergio is pretty um, meticulous. Oh, okay. 
So they'd be filming for a long, long time. And he turned down playing the harmonica player in Once Upon a Time in the West, who is the Charles Bronson role. Oh, Clint Eastwood did. Yeah, which is funny because Charles Bronson was approached to play the man with no name. Um, He's a guy with a mustache. Yeah. Okay. Uh, In the United States, A Fistful of Dollars was released the 18th of January in 1967. For a few dollars more was released the 10th of May the same year. And then The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly was released the 29th of December the Whoa, same year. Oh, that's weird. So all their U.S. releases were within one calendar year, so you could have just kept going to the movies. That's pretty sweet. Seeing it. But, I mean, totally different time for mm-hmm. how they release movies. So, but that is what I have for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay, so. so hit me. Eli Wallach, uh, who plays Chuko, um, or The Ugly, he is also in The Magnificent Seven. Baby Doll, The Holiday. Oh, he's in The Holiday. I don't remember him. Um, like, like the ho- like the romance. Movie. Oh yeah, he is. Um, he's like the old writer guy. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. Um, Who is very New York in that movie? He's not Mexican. He's in that New York movie. in this movie, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> he's also in Wall Street, The Train. He's in a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah, and a lot of others. Um, he passed away in 2014. Oh, okay. At 98. 98. And then Aldo Giuffrey, um, he plays the alcoholic union captain near the end of the movie-ish. Yeah. Um, like last act. His performance was so good. Yeah. Um, he is also in uh, just a lot of Italian stuff. Because, okay. guys, the guy's name's Aldo. I think he's Italian. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty much mostly Italian movies. Man, he was so good. He was. Um, that t- To me, that's about it in terms of worth talking about people. Yeah. So. Well, you know what's interesting about that character is he kind of has that. Not, not, it's, it's different, but he is kind of doing the Robert, du- or well, I guess Robert Duvall is doing him in Apocalypse Now. Interesting. Where it's like, it's like. I'm at war. I don't really have any interest in the actual war. I'm here. I'm just enjoying the craziness of this. Yeah. And then he's obsessed with just drinking himself. And then Robert Duvall is obsessed with surfing. So it's like. I forget a lot about that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, He likes to catch the waves. Oh, gosh. That's so weird. I know. So So it's this weird, like, detachment, which. You know, hearing now how Sergio wanted to make like an anti-war movie, it's, you know, seeing like how the most important person in that battlefield has no actual interest in what's going on. This character felt to me like he became disinterested because of how horrific it is. Like he's disassociating from it. Sure. Because of how his character ends where he he like sees the bridge blow up, the thing that like kind of needed to happen. Yeah. And he does seem like happy about it like he cares he does, about yeah. what happened so i think like them doing that i don't know it, it's almost like it gave him a sense of purpose for right. one more brief moment yeah yeah i think you're right um should we dive yeah so the movie begins with another badass title sequence yeah where clint eastwood gets billed i think pre-title he does with his um, portrait and the others do not. Well, the others get a portrait, just no names, and then their names are shown after the title. Yeah. So, I mean... Wild. That, 
I love seeing that progression, especially when someone is in a franchise and they start out with like not that kind of thing. And then as it progresses, it's like, well, we have to like build them differently. Yeah. Unfortunately, since they don't do credits like that anymore, like uh, I, it's such a stupid example, but I'm thinking of like Fast and Furious. If they had like credits like this in their movies, it'd be so funny. Some to- of them have to have credits, don't they? But not like this, I don't think. You don't think so? I think most of the I think most of the credits are just like it's just showing their names as it goes, right? But don't don't people still fight for the oh, order? Oh yeah, but oh, okay. but it would be funny if you know they had done title sequences like this for all ten of those movies to see like the progression of the Vin Diesel, like how he was shown. The, the letters would li- the the names would literally be fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know it would be awesome. And it, it wouldn't even be like a, an FX thing. Like it is that that's how much these men's men have to fight over, uh, which one is manlier. Yeah. I want to say something else, but I'm not going to say it, <laughs> that their, their names fight. Yeah. Yeah. They like that's so dumb sprout fists and start fighting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, maybe there is a little bit, but, but I, I don't think it's like to this degree. Um, and so, yeah, the credits are just amazing. We're hearing the score and already it's like, ah, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then we see two guys who are walking. Hold on. Oh, now I'm just thinking about fast and furious. Oh, okay. It's just so interesting. The world we live in where, or, or the, the evolution of machismo. Yeah. That, uh, we're talking about this series when Clint Eastwood really becomes, uber famous yeah from here on for here on going here going forward Uh (laughs) and it is like i know he's an anti-hero and stuff but he is very much like he's macho man yeah he pretty yeah and he's cool and as just as we go decades down the line we now to us apparently as a society have agreed that the the most macho people like machismo is now just too uh bald hairless men well okay so we have to talk about this now (laughs) okay because you brought it up but this cycle has happened before when you watch when you watch predator and you see arnold schwarzenegger and um i am totally blanking on his name but uh Uh, creed uh, from the rocky movies sylvester stallone no creed oh the guy who plays rocky movies uh carl weathers carl weathers when they do that handshake like high five yeah. thing, and it shows their muscles. But you know what's different about that to me? One, Rocky's better, just in general. Yeah, and I'm not okay. So I'm just talking about Rocky for a second, not Predator. Well, Rocky's I wouldn't consider. I wouldn't put that in this category of what we're talking okay, about. Okay, go ahead. Because Predator, like when you watch that movie, and a lot of those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies in particular, they are like showing off his body. And yes, Rocky is doing that, but it's also boxing movies. That, that's why I think it's... And Rocky, better, yeah. although he does get pretty big, especially yeah. in the first movie, he's, like, not jacked. No. Um, well, he's also, like, five feet. Right. <laughs> um, and and Rambo also, like, yeah, is yeah, machismo. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that machismo is, is, from, like, 80s on, is still kind of yeah, in. Yeah, 80s is a big, big machismo time. I mean, I would say almost more so than than, than to- now. But now it's like, you know, again, we but now I always comical. cite it where it's like where it's like they hire Paul Rudd for Ant-Man and for some reason he has to yeah, bulk up, which I, makes no sense now, to me. But now it truly does feel comical, doesn't it? Well, that's what I think was great about Furious 7 with James Wan because he was aware of that. Yeah. And he made light of it. 
Yeah. But what's what's hilarious to think about is like pre Clint Eastwood, when we're talking about hunks of Hollywood, we're talking about Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. We're talking about Frank Sinatra. We're talking about just handsome people, not no, hot people. We're talking about men with square chests who <laughs> smoke and drink too much. A bunch of string beings who may or may not have been really terrible husbands, but probably. <laughs> Rock Hudson. Like, we're yeah. talking about these guys that are like like the Paul Danos of their <laughs> era as far as like looks. Yeah. But, but it's like, that's in. That's hilarious. You know, just I guess to me this is this is machismo to me today. Do not don't give me a couple of uh bald hairless men who uh-huh. are more muscles than man. Uh-huh. I I don't want that. I want You want like a Mark Wahlberg. I, don't, type. I want no. <laughs> I want the smallest guy you can give me. Uh-huh. And I mean smallest guy. A Chris a, a Chris Gethard type. You're not No, no, no. You'll hear it when I get there. But give me give me a guy so small oh, that no. people get upset by how small he is, and put him on planes. Get make him fly planes. Oh, and make him just be. I thought you were gonna <laughs> set up Danny DeVito. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. No, I'm talking about Tom Cruise. Yeah, but get, give me give me a guy that'll actually risk his life. Yeah, because he has a complex. <laughs> because he has. An yeah, and he's like Napoleon, complex. where he's like, I gotta make up for some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> give me that guy. And Rebecca, don't text me about the height of Napoleon. Okay, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> we were there with you in France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I, and I, it, the the people who. Are, are into the the muscle weight Zac Efron, you know, looking insane. I don't think anyone's into Zac Efron, Micah. Well, yeah, but uh, uh, we know one person who is. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but the looking insane thing, I, I I do think it's like a select group of people. No, it is are, and are I into mean, that. You it, know, it really is. I'm like really out of my depth on it, but I I think I'm just more talking about my preference. Yeah, but but it is it is interesting, you know, because. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is like this skinny. I mean, he looks amazing in this movie. Yeah, he looks so good, but he's like this skinny little dude. And and if this movie came out today, first of all, for some reason, I'm sure they would hire Chris Pratt to be the cowboy. And no, he would be. No. You know, they do like Daniel Craig, two hundred and eighty pounds, and it'd be like, <laughs> why did you get so big to walk yeah. around in the desert? All you do is shoot a gun. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you need? We we just need a, a stoic man. I mean, this guy never even has a love interest the whole time. Yeah. Whoa, boy, that is just refreshing alone. Oh yeah, there is no love there's interest no, in the whole no movie. There's no love interest. I mean, there's like no women in these movies. Well, yeah. But um, he. Yeah, he. It's like it's almost like yeah. I'd rather have the guy who doesn't even care about, doesn't even look in a woman's direction, stoic, keeps to himself, kind of just out for his own self motivation, yeah, rather than the the other guy that's gonna, I don't know, like beat everyone to submission because he owns you. Yeah. <laughs> so I like Clint Eastwood in these movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think we also grew up in a generation where our dads thought of Clint Eastwood as the manliest you could be. Yeah. So I think that that spills over to us where it's like, well, yeah, like the manliest you can be, of course, is Clint Eastwood in the, in these movies. Yeah, I guess. Or Frank Sinatra. 
Um, so you see these two guys who are walking toward one another. And then you, you, you see this guy's face, big close-up of this guy's face as he's watching these people walking. Yeah. Watching them walk. You're seeing these three people as they come closer and closer. And you're thinking, you've seen two of these movies. You've seen a lot of Westerns. You're thinking they're going to start a fight. But then as they get closer, they know each other and they're together. And then they rush into a bar. And I was like, that's so fascinating to how to start this movie. Yeah. Just because it's not at all what you're expecting it's to happen. It's an interesting form of tension. It really is. And they, they rush into the bar. You hear some gunshots. And then Ugly gets flown out of the window. Just yep. like smash. The camera freezes, freeze frame, and it writes out the Ugly. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Then we see, um, I always forget his first name, Van Cleef. Lee? Lee Van Cleef. That's his name? Well, I guess I should confirm. Lee Van Cleef. Yes. Okay. He walks into this, another uh, Star Wars A New Hope Tatooine-styled home, and he sees this man. Man, this set was cool. Oh, this set was no, this very kid, cool. No, this kid is uh, riding a donkey around like a... Well, uh-huh. and he sees him approach. Yeah, and yeah, oh, like yeah, enters yeah. the house and warns his dad. But yeah, th- I like this and, set. And already, I, I think there's like um, you know, this movie's three hours long, and we've seen the other two, and and Sergio's really good at these huge shots that 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 are just like the landscape and everything. But this this movie is even like longer shots, so like. There's a shot of this house where he's walking up and this dog just like walks all the way to the house. It's like four or five seconds long. It could have been one second. Yeah. But but there is this quality that just feels like the movie's so sure of itself where it's like, no, no, this is an epic. And and I think, you know, we talked about how Sergio's first movie was the Colossus of something, uh, but it was a sword and sandals movie that he took over the directing and finished it. And then we know that he worked on Ben-Hur. So I think there's an element where he's like, I've made these movies, they're epic, and I'm going to make this kind of sword and sandal styled epic where it's going to be long, the shots are going to be long, these huge things. Like when when we get to the, the soldiers, it's like a ton of extras, pretty complex sets and stuff like that. And it's just like, Dang, he's like marrying his whole everything he's learned as a filmmaker mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But the bad walks in to this house. He sits down. Everyone's quiet. The wife and then the the child like go away. Sits down. He starts cutting bread with a knife, which I think inherently looks evil. Uh-huh. He's cutting it with a knife and eating it. Starts eating the food, and then. He tells him that Baker is paying him $500 to get the name of this man named Jackson. But his new name. His yeah, new, yeah, yeah to find out. a new name. Yeah, he's hunting this guy named Jackson. And then the guy goes, ton of tension. It, it's kind of actually reminiscent of Inglorious Bastards, the yes. first scene in that. Yes. Um, I'm sure he studied I this scene. I did think about that, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we get it, Quentin. You like these movies. I know, but again, it's, it's so great that he... There's no part of Quentin Tarantino that is 
not going to admit that he loves this movie and he uses it. I just remember when I got into Tarantino, like one of the reasons I really fell in love with his movies is because it's like, man, he is the most original director, writer, director, producer of all time. Yeah. And then you watch any of his movies, like, you know, as I'm getting older and it's like none of these are quote unquote like original. He He loves movies. He is perhaps... Uh, of the directors that I really know their work well, he is perhaps the one that that is the least original, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. No, me neither. Because he is, I still think one of the best writers, oh, movie yeah. writers, film writers. He he's writers. he is incredible. Yeah. I I love him. I'm I will probably always put him in like my top ten favorite. Yeah. Um, and I do think Pulp Fiction is pretty original, but again, it's. Well, they're yeah, all, no, it is. They're it all is. pretty yeah. original, but then you, yeah. you pull them apart and you're like, okay, he's doing this movie, this movie, this movie, this mm-hmm. movie, this movie, and putting it together. And I think you can do that with any other great director. Yeah. But but even like a Scorsese, for example, I think you'd get a lot more. He's going to reference a ton of movies, especially international films. Yeah. But you might get more of him being like, yeah, when I was a kid, this happened to me. And it made me think like this for this scene. Yeah. Like, there's a little more of him in those movies, I think. Yeah. And Tarantino's like, I watch movies. That's my personality. Mm-hmm. It'd be like if we made a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Baker's paying him $500 to get the name of this Jackson character. And then the guy who's in the house is like, I'll give you the name, but he hands him $1,000. And then, uh, and then he starts talking to him about a cash box. Yeah, he mentions, okay, his name is Bill Carson, and he has this gold and stuff like that. Yeah. And then... I think, isn't he kind of like, he tells him the name, and he's like, are you asking because of the cash box? That's right. And then I think the the bad is like, well, tell me about this. Yeah. So he tells him all about this cash box that's somewhere. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, so he gives, he gives the bad more valuable information than the other guy and more money than the other guy gave him to do this job. You know, this guy's trying to save yeah. his life here. And, and then he says, I got to cut no, you off because yeah. I wrote it down exactly. Then the bad says, when I'm paid, I always see the job through. And then he kills him. He kills him. Then kills his son. Yeah. And, and leaves. And you're thinking, okay, now it's going to do that title card. Uh, uh, uh. No. He goes to Baker. He lights a lantern, and we see this this room light up. It's this guy who looks like he's quite sick, and he tells Baker all he about. He gives him the name. Gives him the name. Gives tells him a little bit about he the goes, cash box. He yeah. goes, uh, his name is Bill Carson. That's your bid. And then he goes, I I found out about the cash box. That's my bid. And then he goes, and then. And the, the guy paid guy me to me kill you. A thousand dollars to kill you. They laugh, and he's like, "But you know, I always, I always do what I'm like. What's owed? Mm-hmm. Puts the pillow over the guy's head, shoots him, and starts laughing. Yeah. It pauses and says, "The bad. <laughs> Come Wild on, stuff. And all the time you're like, oh, I mean, if it's this good, and we haven't even met Clint Eastwood yet, I know. What is this movie gonna be?" And then, um, ugly gets. It takes, I would say it takes about the first hour of the movie for us to really get acquainted with all the characters. And ugly. it's one of those things where, especially older movies, sometimes it's like, does this have to be this long? Where would I cut something? Yeah, I wouldn't cut anything. No, in this movie, 
Maybe add necessary. like a half hour if you could. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you know I, I I can. It's like clearly so much this movie, but I I thought of the hateful eight and how yeah. long that movie is. It's just a really really long movie, and it just it's in this tradition of like epic westerns, and it it's great bottle episode, yeah. epic western. Um, so ugly gets cornered, um, and these guys. Uh, get him cornered, and they say they're going to collect his bounty. And uh, then the good comes out, being Clint Eastwood, pulls a gun on them, shoots him, and he goes, "Don't look like the don't look like you. You'll be the ones who'll collect." <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now, ugly is at the gallows, mm-hmm. and we're we're hearing like all his charges, which there is like a comedic, like very dark sense of humor edge to the charges that uh-huh. are being read. <laughs> um, and. Then we discover that Ugly and Good have a scam where they pump up his reward money, they get him captured, they put him at the gallows, then as he's about to be killed, Clint Eastwood shoots the rope, sets him, setting him free, and then shoots the hats off of <laughs> men that are nearby. He's distracting them. <laughs> I know, it's just, it's like always shooting the hats. Um, and then they go off and then they split the money. Yep. So that's like, and then I think right there is where uh, it says the good, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't really remember, but they do this. We see this at least two times. I think it's at the second time they do the same scheme and it works. Mm-hmm. And I, I think on this scheme, the second one, the bad is also in town and yeah. he's witnessing the hanging, but he, he's like on his going on his way. And he he sees like this. He knows that this is a scam. Yeah, he, he just can knows. See it. And he's like looking around, like who here is hanging around? And he sees the good hanging way back yeah. at the edge of town. And he's like, well, that guy's doing it. So, yeah. but they they do their scheme. They get away with it yet again. But uh, the good has to break ties with the ugly because he 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 takes him out like seventy miles into the desert and says your reward isn't going up anymore. So this isn't working out. Yeah. And basically he says like, you can go 70 miles back to town, but he basically leaves him to die. And, and then Ugly's like yelling at him and he goes such ingratitude for all the times I saved your life. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, so this gets into like, as a kid, I'm thinking like good guy, bad guy, and then kind of good, bad guy. But it's like the good is doing something terrible here. It's his like partner. Yeah. And he's just leaving him out to die. Yeah, I, it is interesting because it is like he isn't good, but I do think throughout the movie they show that um, that he has humanity. Yeah, that the other two don't. Well, and and you could you could argue as well that like the guy is supposed to hang, so he's just I mean he's really just letting the law take its course by leaving him dead for the out for dead in the desert. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. because like when I was a when I was a kid, the scene where Clint Eastwood's being marched through the desert. You're you're just like, why would he do this? Why would he do this? And as I watch it now, I'm like, if I was ugly, I would totally do this to this guy. Yeah. I would be like, you suck. I'm gonna make you do this. Yeah. Um, but it it makes for a nice poetic ending to this movie. Yeah. Um. Then we see the bad beating up this woman. I mean, now he's looking even worse. Yeah. Uh. And and asking where Bill is. And then ugly is is all like totally disheveled, destroyed by the sun. He's made it to a town. He walks into a gun shop. 
Oh, yeah. And then we have, um, I remember when we covered John Wick 3 at the, I think it would have been this month last year, uh, uh, we, I think Shane, yeah, Shane mentioned it. He said it, um, that in that episode, uh, that John Wick, like, does the exact things that, that Ugly does. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I thought I'd read that, but I just didn't, like, recognize it. And then when we were watching this, I was like, oh, he does exactly what and Ugly does. And what Mike does. is talking about is, so he is in this gun shop buying a new gun, um, and he makes the guy take out basically all of the revolvers, yeah. lay them all on the counter, and the Ugly disassembles all the guns and builds his own gun. And apparently yeah. the exact movements Keanu does. Exactly. It, it, it's even like the clicking that he does the clicking, the clicking to the too. ear and then and then in John Wick he shoots one guy and then keeps going. Yeah. And I think what's funny is I remember like I I think after the movie one of our friends or maybe us someone was talking about how like he goes to all that trouble to shoot one bullet and we were not realizing that it's just like a reference to mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Cuz you know John Wick 3 is kind of like more it's doing kind of Gratuitous. more of the western oh sorry than yeah. the other two movies are doing yeah um yes it does i mean there are horses in that one yeah uh he's he's more of a gunslinger and i mean he even goes through the desert and mm-hmm. he's like almost dies and stuff like that so it's it, it owes a lot to this movie and mm-hmm. the spaghetti westerns but that was kind of fun to see i'm, yeah. I'm sure you could look up on youtube a side by side yeah but but the thing I remember about the John Wick one is he's just like frantic. Yeah. Whereas Ugly is enjoying having the upper hand on this guy. Yeah. And then he takes the gun out back and to test it. And yeah. he's a great shot, we see. Um uh-huh. and then he takes a hat and then he asks the guy how much is the gun? I think the guy's like twenty bucks. And then he's like, No, how much is the gun? And there's understanding comes across the man's face and he's like, fifty dollars. And he's like, No, how much is the gun? Two hundred dollars. That's all I have. So he he stole the gun and the man's money. Yeah. And out of the kindness of Ugly's heart, as he's leaving with this man, this man, when Ugly got to this gun shop, the man was closing up shop know, and he was cradling a bottle of alcohol that he clearly was so excited to wind down the rest of the day drinking this bottle of alcohol. And as the Ugly's leaving, it's out of the kindness of his heart, leaves the alcohol for the man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then we have what I wrote in my notes is Ugly goes to, like, an old hideout that he has. Yep. With a chicken, and then he sees that uh, his his crew is boiling potatoes, and he pontificates about potatoes for a while. How only poor people <laughs> eat potatoes. Yeah. And then his, this band comes down, this band of guys. Bandits. Bandits. And uh, then they're like, let's go get uh, the good. Mm-hmm. Blondie. Mm-hmm. So they go to town, they find good, and he's at a hotel, and they're sneaking up to get him as soldiers are marching by. Yeah. This scene's incredible. It's just like every single- Oh, yeah, there's like, the, there's um a battle going on in this town. Yeah. Well, they're like marching to one well, or something Well, there's cannons like happening in this town. Like oh, you're right. are being you're right. blown up because his room gets blown up, right? You're right, yeah. Okay. But um, I, I it's just like every element of the story- and the filmmaking is is like the last two movies, but just like an expert. Oh yeah, I mean, it, he masterfully weaves in the civil war to this movie. Yes, 
Yes. To the point where it's happening in the background the whole time until like the last act when the characters finally inter- well, I guess they're interacting with it when they're prisoners. Yeah. But yeah, it's like for so long it's just in the background and then eventually they're interacting with what's happening. Yeah. In the background. Well, yes, and that is a great point. That uh, another thing though that it does is like like this scene, if this was the first or second movie, I think the guys would just go up to his room, sneak around, he'd hear a floor creak and he'd kill him. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they're sneaking up while the the army is marching. Mm-hmm. And then the army stops marching and Clint Eastwood perks up and looks around in his room. He's cleaning his gun. And then he puts the bullets in and then the army starts marching again and then they try and go in. So there's just like more tension than in the previous. Yeah. Two and he kills all three dudes. Is it three of them? I think I believe it's three. And yeah. then ugly is four. He kills all three dudes. And I think as the last one's dying, he's like the spurs. Yeah. That's what gave you away. But behind him is ugly. Yes. He came in through the window and has got him. But as they're at, just when he thinks he gets him, a, a cannon hits the hotel, I guess. After he attempts to hang. He's, yeah, attempts good. to hang good. Yeah. And a, and a cannon hits and then good's able to get away. And then, and then, uh, bad. Hey. Goes to a battleground of the confederates okay. that's like an old area that's been kind of destroyed oh yeah okay so this part the music for one was so great and felt <laughs> yeah. emotional yeah um and and it made me wonder if if like this he has some kind of per, if he's a confederate like was a confederate i don't know Who? but oh, the bad, oh, just based the bad, on how yeah. the, the music was yes and then i i thought at first that it was all an empty like bunker yeah. area and then when it started showing men occupying it i thought that it was like a memory like like it was almost like he was seeing ghosts oh yeah so it took me a while until i actually was like is that man looking at him <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah he he comes to this to this yeah like blown up bunker where all these men most of them are just injured and dying mm-hmm. um and you said it's confederate I'm pretty sure it's Confederate. Okay, yeah. I just don't remember. It took me a while in this movie to remember the sides, uh, the colors. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so what does he say to that guy? Um. Well, I think he's just trying to find Bill. Bill, who I think he knows at that point is a Confederate. Yeah, he does. Because when he yeah. goes to that woman, she tells him he just left with this regime. Yeah, like the third regiment. Yeah. Not regime. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. And, and then the guy kind of talks about how like you know wow it's wonderful how how well we get taken care of we have corn again to eat tonight and and you know he's like oh yeah yeah i know where this random guy is while i'm trying to take care of 60 men who are wounded and about to die yeah Yeah, sure the bad just gives him alcohol yeah and he says you need it more than i do yeah and then we have a scene that's very reminiscent of the dark tower book one the gunslinger where Ugly is trying to catch up to good and he's going to he's going to campfires and he'll find like oh, a lit yeah. cigarello and yeah. he'll check it out and see he's like I know that's the one he uses or what he rolls or whatever and then and he the goes the more he finds the the hotter the the yes fire until is eventually or... and again this is like the the cigarello is enough yeah. but then the expert touch that makes this movie 
jump from an eight to a 10 is all these little details where he gets to the last campfire, grabs the cigarello, looks at it and starts smoking it. And, and at first I'm like, oh, he just wants to smoke weird. And then I'm like, oh no, that's still lit. Like that means he yeah, is- he's testing it. He is minutes or hours away. Like he's close. Yep. He He's caught up to him. And I'm like, what? A, that's genius. Forget about it. Um, yeah. And then I wrote Shorty gets hanged. Oh, yeah. So he catches up to the bat, to, to Good. And oh. Good has got the same scheme going on yes. with another guy. Named Shorty. So, <laughs> named Shorty. So he is way back on the outskirt of some tiny little town where this man is going to be hanged. And the bad, or sorry, the ugly, you know, has him as at gunpoint, uh-huh. and is like, "You're with, you're, come with me. The scam's over." And I think, I think, the good's like, "What about Shorty?" And the ugly <laughs> just shakes his head, and he yeah. just looks back at the guy who's about to get hung and says, "Sorry, Shorty." And the guy gets hung. I know. I mean, he probably, well, I mean, you know, he probably was a criminal or whatever. If right. it was really him or whatever, but it is and, like, and you are advocating that all criminals should be hanged. Is what you're saying, not right? What I'm saying. Those are the words you're that's saying, not what right? I'm saying. Especially at a time like that when and you're saying you believe in the death penalty. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I'm nervous. I just want to get it on record. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I feel bad get... for that guy. <laughs> I know. Well, and again, that's the anti-hero stuff that's so much better than than what what we get a lot of times yeah that excludes like breaking bad and succession and stuff although i wouldn't even go so far as to say succession Wait, guys are anti-heroes oh oh um, no none of them no one's a hero in that but but yeah i i think it's different um but you, you know i just always think of like when when the words thrown around with superhero superheroes and they like mostly do good stuff and it's like the good nobody really does anything good in this movie mm-hmm they don't do anything selfless, well, the, really, the or anything like that. The good does the most good. Yeah, but even that, it's like so, it's just so not black. It's still a gray area. Uh-huh. And that I think that's part of, again, why this movie is so good. Yeah. So the ugly's got him, and he's walking him through the desert. The ugly has an umbrella for to shade himself. Yeah. He's got plenty of water. The good gets none of it, and he has to walk while he gets to ride a horse, like 100 miles through the desert or something like that. Um, basically until he dies. Yeah. And you know, this also reminded me, I'm sure there's a lot of walking through deserts in Western, so we can't attribute them all to good, the bad and the ugly, but it did remind me of Mad Max three, where he gets sentenced to walk like on a horse with that crazy mask to go through the desert. And then eventually you're talking about Tom Hardy. No, Mad Max three beyond Thunderdome. Oh. He gets he gets like the wheel of death and he yeah. has to wander through the desert with that crazy like almost Lord Farquaad looking head on his head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's backwards on a horse and they let it go into the desert and then he eventually finds the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it feels like for its time period, that's probably George Miller being like oh, the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um yeah. Anyway, I just thought of that. And so then they're going through Good is is nearing his death, and then a carriage comes flying through, and Bad steps out in front of it, and then we see on the side it says Third Regiment, and so we're like, oh, okay. And this is a, a no one is guiding the horses. Yeah. So it, it, he stops it and he opens the back and it's full of dead Confederates. Yeah. So he starts robbing all of them. 
or, or pickpocketing all of them. Yeah. Um, and then one man is still alive. He discovers. Uh huh. And who is it? But it's Bill Carson. Bill Carson. Now, before you continue, now I I I don't think that this should happen, but I think this speaks to a term we mostly use in fantasy and stuff, but the world building of this. When this carriage comes in and we see all these dead guys and we know that gold is involved, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is so thought out and stuff that I can, like, see another movie that is the carriage ride. Like, like oh. that. that's how good this world is. Now that is. feels like a Stephen King book. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, I, we're, we're, we're halfway through the book. Right, Kind of right. halfway through the movie. And this thing happens. Uh, in media risk kind of thing. Yeah. And then the next, and then it's like end of part two, part three, the carriage ride. Yeah. And it's like oh man, I just got excited. It's like a hundred pages yeah. of him just talking, him just telling the story of what happened with this regiment. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think it, it would be cool, but I, I would trust few people to do it. But if someone, if someone like Tarantino was like, I'm making a movie and it is it is the guys who are in the carriage before the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the movie ends with like ugly stepping in front of the carriage. But it's like maybe all those guys, maybe some of them weren't Confederate soldiers. Yeah. Maybe. And they were like fighting for the gold in the yeah. carriage. You know, yeah. it's like I can just see a whole story there. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't need to see that story. It's just no, no, no. that speaks to how imaginative this is, even though it's just historical fiction. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. So if you can do it well, I, I it's like do as much as you want. I mean, Stephen King just came out with like a twenty four hour audio like book, yeah. Like, this year and it's like it definitely wasn't my favorite uh-huh. Stephen King book, but it is like it's the story's told really well. Yeah, you so gotta just I give it up. Loved it the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then ugly. So he finds out the name of the cemetery where the gold is yeah and so the guy's like give me water give me water and he goes and grabs some water and then while that's happening the good has crawled up to the carriage yes and Um, he didn't he didn't realize that no yeah and so he's because he's trying to get the name of the grave so he runs to get water and then when he comes back bill carson is dead and the ugly is going to kill the good because he sees that he's up by the carriage now. Yeah. And the goods basically says, he says something like, if you kill me, you'll never get the name of that grave, the name of the grave yeah. on the grave. And I'm just like, no way. Cause I, had, I forgot, like it'd been so long in this movie that I couldn't guess anything that was going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm just like, that is so good. Cause now they both have information and they can't kill each other. Mm hmm. But yet they they kind of hate each other. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to do this whole thing? But they kind of love each other, you know. <laughs> well, and, and so then they hop on the carriage. They dress as the soldiers. They go to uh, like a camp, a Confederate camp. And what what's so they go to? A, he's taking he takes the good to a church. Well, he takes yeah. him to a to a camp. Yeah, you're right. He takes him to a camp first, but then that guy tells him to go to this little village where there's a church because they're taking in wounded soldiers who is the good because he's dying of dehydration. Yes. But that's um, where we go and he recovers there. Right. And and Tuco who is ugly, his his brother like works at the parish and is like the father there. 
and um he's he, a friar the friar yeah oh yeah i forgot there's that scene with the burgers um <laughs> but he is uh uh telling him like you, you know they have this brother oh i love can this. you explain yeah, it no, no, i can't no. explain I loved it. it i love this conversation because um they he hasn't seen his brother in so long nine years not okay nine years long yeah and the the his brother has basically nothing but negatives to say towards him about how you know because he's a criminal he is an outcast and a terrible person and then um the ugly kind of says something like there are only two kind of people in this world me the people like me and the people like you Uh uh-huh and you know his his um he asks his brother how how their parents are doing and he says um I think they're both our, dead. Yeah, the mom died a long time ago. The dad died a few days ago. Yeah, and you weren't even there. And and the and dad was the he was asking for you right before he died, yeah. and you weren't there. And just like really making him feel like crap when the the ugly response with you do you understand that when we were kids you left us to to because of this holy mission that you needed to uh-huh. do apparently, and I was left to take care of them and to to do all these things. And that's why I live the life that I live now because you left us, you know, like blaming uh-huh. him yeah. for kind of like make the making his bad decisions yeah, to survive in this world. And it was just such a nuanced conversation and his brother ends up striking him yeah, and, you know, immediately regrets it. And then that's just kind of it. Well, and, and as his brother leaves with good on a, on the carriage again, we, we cut back to his brother and he says, I pray he can forgive me. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it is. Um, so then they're going through, they're on their, their carriage, they're going, and, and this is another great touch, expert touch. They see these gray uniforms coming over the, the hill and they're like, oh my gosh, it's Confederates. We just got to play it cool. We're wearing Confederate yeah, uniforms. Yeah, it's so easy. Great. And so Tuco's like, yay, up with the Confederacy. Please don't, to pull that out and isolate it and use it against me. I'm talking he about is, good. He is praising the Confederacy. <laughs> <laughs> so he's praising them, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, he's mentioning like generals and stuff, and saying down with this general and up with General Lee and stuff yeah. like that. And then they get closer, and they they start padding their uniforms, and they're blue. It mm-hmm. was dust they were covered yeah. in. Yeah, and so they're Union so soldiers. Funny. So they capture them, and they're now prisoners of war. Yeah, and are taken to a prison camp. Um. And oh man, this this whole sequence is just crazy too. So they're they're yeah. with all these other dudes who are now prisoners at, of war, and uh, apparently this prison camp is just really terrible. I'm yeah. Why would well, and, be and good? so this goes into the the thing that that um, Sergio was talking about, where he he wanted to show that like basically the victors write the history books. Mm-hmm. So he's showing that the Union won. But that doesn't mean that they were all, like, good people. Yeah. So, like, they have this terrible camp where they, like, torture the prisoners. Yeah, so the the guy who's, like, in charge can't really be in charge because he has gangrene yeah. in his leg. So who's kind of an active, the active in charge person is the bad. Yeah. At some point, he became a Union soldier. Yeah, and I his, would just imagine he killed someone on their way over and there. Stole, yeah, and stole their name and I yeah, yeah. everything. Because you could do that back then. You could yeah. just steal identities. <laughs> so yeah, he he's in charge now. You know, they're doing roll call at this prison camp and the guy calls out 
Bill Carson. Uh-huh. And the bad is just waiting for whoever is going to say who they are. And the ugly has taken on the identity of Bill Carson. Yeah, so he goes, that's but me. the bad knows ugly. Yeah. From... You, oh, that, right, from just, earlier in the movie, yeah. Not just earlier from the movie. They have some kind of history together. Only from earlier in the movie. No. Wait, do they... Is that really implied? Yeah, because when that. they're talking later on, uh-huh. having that meal together, they're, they're having a conversation like... Um, as if like uh, the ugly always knew he was this man called Angel Eyes. Okay. And like maybe their paths have crossed in the past. In the past. Oh, I didn't get that impression. Oh, that's what I got. Because it sounded like he was just calling him that, like as a, like in the moment right then. Because he's like, oh, thanks for this food, Angel Eyes. That's how it. No, struck no, me. I feel like Angel Eyes was like his his name. You know, oh, his okay. street name. Oh, that's cool. I didn't. That's what that's I didn't what pick I like up on that. But yeah, so they have this dinner. Yeah. So yeah, he. He is given, yeah, he's given delicious food and everything. They're just talking. To me, it really felt like they were kind of catching up. Okay, yeah. And I think it kind of felt like the bad was kind of like, what scheme do you have going on? Sure. Oh, yeah, you're like, probably right. I like, like that. I like that. He knew him, but he didn't know the good. Yeah. But he knew that they were somehow together. Yeah. So as he's eating, another guy comes in and handcuffs him to the chair uh-huh. And they and so he's asking about how do you know this Bill Carson? What do you what is this whole thing? And they start torturing him. Well, actually, before that, before that, we see the bad talk to the guy who's in charge of the prison, and that guy tells the bad, "You got to stop torturing people. Yeah, that is not how and we're going to win says, this like, war." Before I die, I hope I get enough proof so that I can prove that and and put all these guys behind bars or something to that effect. Yeah, like he's aware that terrible things are happening to the he Confederate can't do anything soldiers, to stop it but he can't which yeah. i thought found that really interesting yeah oh yeah but yeah so then we're seeing him torturing he's a he's a, he's a prisoner in his own prisoner of war camp well yeah really poetic yeah so yeah he the ugly is being tortured by the bad and uh-huh. while that's <laughs> happening it is being intercut with outside the confederate prisoners are playing a song and this is the Ennio Morricone song that I could have sworn was just like a Southern hymnal. Yeah, me too. And it's really beautiful. It's and beautiful. While some people are playing, other people are just staring off. Like, every, like it's all just, it all felt very ritual-like. Yeah, because they know really, that this happens all the time, and so they're sad. When they're, I think, ordered to play music, uh-huh. that means a man is being tortured in that cabin, because anytime a man is invited into that cabin, he just, it's like he basically doesn't come out. And the reason they do it is probably so that other guy doesn't hear the torturing happening. He's yeah. just hearing the music. And the, the the one guy, more feeling. Yeah. And the the good, this man explains all this to the good. Yeah. Why this is happening. And then there's this one shot that is just so like heart wrenching. It really truly this is. Man playing a violin with tears in his eyes. And he, he's about to cry, so he stops playing because he's so filled with emotion because the terrible th- he knows what's happening. Yeah. And the, that he is ordered to continue playing. Oh, yeah. It's really oh, moving. Man, it's so good. And, and what, what's crazy, so on like a filmmaking level, and, and I don't know if any of you listeners have, have any examples of this, but I'm watching this, and the movie is showing the band and then it's intercutting it with extreme violence. Yeah. And the violence is like just like like there is music but it's it's happening it, it's like 
beautiful sounding music with like horrific images and then back to them crying and stuff. And I wondered, uh, and, and on top of that, the camera's like handheld, like shaky in the, it, while they were getting beat up a lot of the shots anyway. And then the other stuff is very like textbook filmmaking, you know, beautiful shots and everything. And I thought, is this where this movement started where, where violence was portrayed like this in film? Because you, so many movies do this where it's like something pleasant is happening or a pleasant sound is happening while someone's getting murdered or beat up or whatever. And it whatever. really like Fs with your brain. Yeah, and it's cutting back and forth showing yeah. just like the absurdity of violence. Yeah. Um, and, and it felt like, it, it just felt so modern. Like this scene, mm-hmm. you could not change a single thing and put it in a movie today besides like the grain of the film and the actors and stuff and people would like accept it Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't have to edit it in any other way yeah you probably would choose to edit it this way yeah so wild crazy so he is trying to get all the information the bad is trying to get all the information he can out of the ugly and when he's done he then calls in the good Uh uh-huh because he knows he's with him yeah and when the good comes in the bad throws him some clothes tells him to put it on he says you're no longer a prisoner of war he says, you're not going to give me the same treatment? No, you're too smart for that. No matter how much we torture you, you wouldn't talk. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I wrote, Ugly gets shipped out. Ugly is handcuffed to the man who beat him up and is taken oh, onto a train. Yes, shipped out. Yeah. yeah. Now I understand why I wrote that. I don't know where they're going or anything. Yeah. But he's just with a bunch of Union soldiers sleeping in a train car. Um, but eventually jumps off jumps with off the guy with handcuffed the still and kills the man yeah. by bashing his head into a rock. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just handcuffed to this man still and yeah. is trying to figure out how to not be, he, his solution is he's going to put the man's body on the, the tracks. He's going to be just inches off the tracks and have the chain on the rail. And the tra- next train is going to dry right over the, chain and break it and it's gonna happen for real in real time real actors well not the guy on the tracks yeah but uh, oh my gosh it was insane so crazy it's insane one thing goes wrong and eli wallach never makes another movie again no he doesn't breathe again no the movie this movie well it's the 60s but this movie doesn't get made yeah, you, you would have to do something completely different yeah. if you were going to film this today. Unless yeah. Tom Cruise was producing. He might have <laughs> it happen. Or if Buster Keaton got resurrected, he might do it. Yeah. Um, now, this is this might be diving too deep. But there's this scene where um, Clint Eastwood is sleeping, and, and him and the bat are going to, to the cemetery, and they're going to get the gold. And then... Clint wakes up and shoots a guy that's that's like stalking them is what it seems like. And then the bad's like, okay, everybody come out. Because he had all of his band like following yeah. them. Yeah. And then uh, Clint, Clint Eastwood counts all of them. And he goes, six. It's the perfect number. And then bad says, isn't it three? And I took that to mean, uh, potentially it's a little meta commentary like, we're going to get down to three people at the end of this movie. And that's the perfect oh, number. I thought you were to say there's only three movies and it's a perfect series. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. But I was thinking like you get to the end oh, where it's the Mexican sure, standoff with three of them. Yeah. It's a little foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. That's the word. Not, not meta. Um, yeah. 
So then, and and this is so great again. We're talking expert filmmaking. We see the guy at the beginning who was the first face we saw in this movie, and we saw several close-ups of him. And when I saw him again, I was like, that's why he has those extreme close-ups for him because he wanted us to remember two hours later when this guy shows up again. Yeah, and this man lost an arm from the beginning of the movie because the ugly shot them all. And so this guy lost an Mm -hmm. arm as a result. So he not only wants the bounty of the, of ugly, he is out for revenge now. Yeah. So ugly is in this town, goes into this, uh, blown up building and finds a bathtub and it's just going to take a bath. I know. Yeah. Which is really seems something a character like this would do. Yeah. Not a care in the world. And how he got bubbles in the bath. I don't know how. I don't know, <laughs> but um, the man follows him up there and is going to kill him and is kind of doing a fun classic monologue yeah, thing yeah. and the ugly just shoots him and is like, you got to shoot me if you're going to shoot me. He has the gun in the tub Stop, and shoots him. Stop talking so much. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. <laughs> yeah. And then ugly and good walk through the town and kill everyone except for the bad as they're stalking them. Okay. Right. They pick them off one by one. Sure. Until they're down to bad. And then bad leaves them a letter that says, see you soon, idiots. Yeah. Uh, And then, and then after they read it, uh, good says, uh, it's for you and hands the letter (laughs) to ugly. Yeah. And then as they're going about, they get captured by union soldiers again. No, they don't get captured. Well, they or, do. They or, do kind yeah. of, but they're not prisoners or anything because they're in plain clothes now. Yeah, they're on their way to the cemetery, mm-hmm. uh, following a map. And yeah, they are they are caught by Union soldiers. But I, I feel like it was more of like you were in a war zone. Yes. So you, they, you are correct. They are taken to the trenches of this battle site, um, and meet the captain. Uh huh. Um, and the, they say that they want to enlist. Right. And he's kind of like laughing at them. Oh, like, like you really think you can make a difference. And he's basically saying like alcohol is the only thing that can make a difference. And is the only thing worth, uh, he makes the them war. drink alcohol to prove if they can be soldiers. Cause yeah. he's like, we all reek of alcohol. Good. That's what, that's what it is in common with us in the South and good drunk acting on this guy. Yeah. Really good. I thought. Yeah. So he's imagine like, Danny DeVito doing this though. Oh, <laughs> um, you didn't yeah. know how to respond to no. that. <laughs> um, so they, the man like gives him a tour of the trenches kind of, uh-huh. and, um, it's, yeah, just kind of going on and on about how no, nothing matters. Right. Real nihilistic guy. Yeah. And, and then, uh, one of the craziest shots probably on a movie. Well, that, that's, I feel like that's the thing of old movies, especially old war movies. Oh Yeah. But they were the, so good at the sweeping oh crane gosh, shots. I just don't logistically understand how they got it. Yeah. You know? But, you know, they're saying, like, you know, there's, like, a battle twice a day or something. Uh-huh. We're coming up on one. So the battle starts. Confederates are running over. Union soldiers are running out of the trenches down toward... They all meet at the bridge and fight. Yeah. And I... <coughs> the camera... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the camera is, like, at the top of the hill, uh-huh. and it is just sweeping down the valley. And seeing this fighting ensue. And it is just like, I, I don't get it. That's like hundreds of people down there. Right. In the shot. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's cra- like the, to have the wherewithal to, to plan all of that. I just, it's so hard to imagine keeping that organized. And so then 
ugly and bad go, here's what we should do. Let's blow up this bridge. And so then they go, and the, after the battle dies down... They find some explosives. Yeah, which takes a lot longer for it to die down than they thought. They had to wait, like, a long time. Yeah. Uh, or no, no, they go it's, in, they do the explosives, they set them up, they say, you tell me your half of the secret, I'll tell you mine. So Ugly tells him the cemetery, he tells him the name of the gravesite, and then... He doesn't. No, he does. He tells them that... Oh, uh, yeah, then he does. Sher- Sheraton or Sh- Sherman or... Yeah, I, I have it written, but I have it written later. And then um, they they blow up the bridge. It looks crazy. I mean, just crazy. Yeah, it does. And like you said, there's like chunks of stuff that like almost hit our main actors. And and since we know it's a real bridge explosion, I'm expecting that that's not like foam that Wait, they did, would use now. Did you talk about how unsafe this was? Yes. Earlier? Uh-huh. Why? I'm already forgetting that you. I thought. I think I thought there was going to be more detail. Well, I I, I cited several oh, examples. Oh yeah, they lost but, three cameras. They had to do it twice. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then what's funny is they. You would think that they. Like okay, that's it. Now we can go. But then it shows that it becomes night and then morning again, where mm-hmm. where like the battle just continues. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, ugly is like in this position with like his butt in the air uh-huh. and he's just there the whole time. They, all, they both, they both fall asleep. Yeah. Um, they wake up in the morning and they trudge across the, the river to get to the cemetery. Yes. And Not before good gives a dying man a, his I'm coat. I'm getting there, man. Oh, okay, it's okay, okay, like okay, one okay. of the best parts of the movie for me. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they cross the river and now they're on the Confederate side, but like all it is, is just strewn with dead bodies now. Uh huh. And they go to this, it looks like a, um, the skeleton of a old church or something Yeah, where a man is dying. He had been shot and the good gives him his coat Uh and gives him and like holds his, his cigar for the man to smoke. The guy takes one puff and dies. No, he takes a couple. Oh, he does. It's just like, it's just really beautiful that. That that's where I think there's like the humanity to it. Yeah, where they're not even a word is spoken between them. Nothing can be done, and that this man, this Confederate Confederate soldier, doesn't even know who this man is. He's not wearing a uniform or anything. Yeah, and just get, shares his cigar with him. Uh huh. It's and the it's man pretty dies. nice. And then our main character finds a poncho. Oh right, right. I yeah. I and now that this is knowing this is a that. prequel, that's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. But that is just crazy. Because, yeah, the whole movie, he just has, like, a normal, like... Like a duster. Like, yeah, duster. And then there's, like, the, like, almost, like, woody cowboy vest that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the same one that he's worn all the... all the, Which looks yeah. good, but it's no poncho. Yeah. Um, And then Ugly, like, takes off running. Uh-huh. Gets on a horse, goes away. And then Good just, like, launches a cannonball at him. Knocks him off his horse. Launches another one. Gets him close but ugly still gets over the ridge and we see this huge cemetery huge. which they had to build and that's They built that? Yeah, they 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 did all that and there's thousands of graves. Wow. And I I mean they didn't put bodies in them, but Makes sense that it was built. <laughs> yeah, well but it's not like a painting or something that he like yeah, looks yeah, over yeah. the hill and then they did a fake thing. It's like that's real. Yeah. And then you have 
this incredible song that starts playing mm-hmm. as Tuco begins running around the graves looking for it. And there's thousands. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there and you're like, there's no way he's going to find it. And it's intercutting with the camera be, do, being Sweeping like Sweeping across the graves. Yeah, so it looks like like you're getting nauseated as this is happening. Yeah. And then, and then it's spinning faster and faster until eventually, boom, he sees the grave. Arch Stanton. And then a poncho-clad Eastwood throws him a shovel as he's trying to dig at the grave. And he, you know, he's like, dig. He, and he then, did, as he's digging it, another shovel is thrown, but not by the good, by the bad. And the bad says, two can dig faster. Mm-hmm. And Eastwood just doesn't dig. And I think he's like lighting a, a cigarello again or something like that. Yeah. And bad's like, why aren't you digging? And then he said, you're not going to find any gold in that grave. And he yeah. opens the, the ugly opens the casket and there's just a dead body in there. Uh-huh. A corpse. And so he told, didn't tell him the right name. Oh, it's so good. So he still has the upper hand on all of them. And he says, you know, he's like, picks up a rock and he's like, I'm going to write it on this rock. Well, I like first before that, you know, he, it's clear he has the upper hand between the two of them. And he, he looks at the bad and is like the gun. Because the, the bad has a gun drawn on him, uh-huh. and the bad puts the gun away, because why would he shoot him? Yeah. And then he uh, picks out the rock and says, I'm going to write the name on the back of this rock. Puts walks, it in the center of a courtyard. Walks to the center of the, the cemetery, sets it down, and then slowly backs away. And all three of them are getting, you know, it's the a standoff. The music is swelling. This is one of the best parts of any movie that's ever been made. It's great. We're cutting between these huge wide shots, and then close-ups like eyes close-ups and they are milking it oh yeah it's and long. It, it's in like all the right ways yeah and it is just building 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 and then eventually someone draws and good doesn't even look at ugly and he mm-hmm. just shoots bad kills him bad falls into ugly an tries open coffin shooting too but he has no bullets because the night before while tuka was asleep he took his bullets out of his gun and so then, um, let's see, trumpets come in when they disperse into a triangle. Wanted to point that out. What? Um, like oh, in oh, the score. The music, yeah. Uh, I also wrote, the movie just has a joyous life to it. Um, and then <laughs> Gilmore is eating Jordan's foot. <laughs> and then Good says, in this world, there's two kinds of people, those with loaded guns and those that dig. Mm-hmm. And then he explains that it is the grave next to Arch Stanton, marked unknown, that has the gold. And so, um, Ugly starts digging. He finds the gold, and oh, and and we see that on the bottom of the rock, he didn't write anything because it's unknown. Yep. And uh, he finds the gold, and Ugly's like, "Wow, this is awesome!" And the camera pans up as he's looking at the gold and puts ugly's face within a noose that is now at the tree that's there. Yep. And then good says, get on that grave on that cross and put the noose around your neck. And so he does. And now he's so stressed for him balancing on this cross and Clint grabs all of the gold 
and Ugly's every time he tries to like yell at him or something, he nearly falls off. But he does leave half of the gold with him. Did you just say that? Uh, I forgot to say that. He leaves half because it's like their typical uh, deal. Yeah. You get half, I get half. So That's he does right. leave him half. Yeah. And then he takes the other half, the good, puts it on a horse and ri- rides off up the hill. Uh-huh. While, yeah, the ugly is yelling at him, trying to, while, while right. not hanging himself. And when the good is just a little dot on the horizon, he stops his horse. Uh-huh. Shoot, he shoots him off. He he shoots, he shoots the, the, the noose. The noose. And then it's like, okay, he is good. But I do love how he leaves and then comes back yeah. and shoots him. Yeah. Or shoots the noose off. And then it's like, there, there's just kind of like, oh, this is always going to be these two guys kind of, it's like, it's like at the end of Dark Knight, it's like, Batman, you and I were always destined to do mm-hmm. this. Joker and Batman. <laughs> well, Clint Eastwood's Batman. <laughs> yeah. And um, then it shows... The ugly, and it writes out the ugly. Then it shows bad, dead in the grave, and it says the bad. And then it shows Clint Eastwood, and it says the good. Mm -hmm. And then he rides away for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of this amazing movie. Love it. It is a 10 out of 10-er. If you think it's less than that, I don't know what to tell you. Stop listening now. Well, keep listening, though, (laughs) please. Kidding, kidding. Yeah, I just love it. And it was real... you know, I love doing this podcast. We've we've covered over 200 movies, which is insane. Um, but it does get a little tiresome sometimes when it's like, okay, we have to watch another superhero movie. And and watching these three movies, it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a breath of fresh air. Truly. And uh, please tell your friends about it. Let's try and grow like crazy this year. Yeah. Get us some Apple reviews. Tell your friends, even if they don't listen, just steal their phone, go to Apple, get our podcast, just give us five stars. You got to bump us up. And then while you're at it, go to patreon.com slash Micah and download our episode this month on Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Oh, uh, baby. Mm. Um, and then guess what? Next week we start X-Men. And and it's so I'll just tell you listeners the first batch we got X Men X Two, X Men the Last Stand and then X Men Origins Wolverine and then we'll take a small. How many break. is that? That's four movies. We only are doing four, and then we have to do all the others after the. Break. Then it'll be nine. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But okay. it's okay because when we do the nine, we'll we'll watch a future series while we're doing it. Okay. That way we can bank up episodes and we can also watch something that's a little different. Right. But yeah, uh, thanks for supporting. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you're out there, be safe, be good, be bad, or, well, be ugly. (laughs) 